You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and eater. This episode, we're taking off a box from the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Woo-woo. It's rereading a book, and we're interviewing author Mike Chen. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I, over the break, I read the, um... I read a book that is the sequel to a book I read last year because I really loved the first one. It is um, Arm of the Phoenix, which is the Josiah Bancroft sequel to Senlin Ascends, which is the Books of Babel series. Oh, okay. Um, Although, okay, so this is weird. I read it, and I also, at the library, they had the book and they had the ebook, so I just got them, I mean, in the audiobook, so I got them both. And so I'd go oh, back wow. and forth. Like, I, if I wasn't reading it, I would listen to it. And I would just, I like, love, it's interesting to see new audiobook using Bria. I know. Especially, well, it's at the library and it's available. That, like, feels easy. And yeah. then I just, like, figure out where I am and I kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth so I can listen to it in the car and stuff. But the reader was English and he kept saying the Tower of Babel. <laughs> Babel. Is that what you say, Sean? You say Babel? And Sean we say would Babel, say ba- yeah? Yeah, we say Babel. Hmm. Anyway, so I don't know which one it is. Um, Depends on where you're living. Uh, I guess that's true. But the adventures of Senland continue in the second book, um, <laughs> where in the first book, he goes to the Tower of Babel, which is this with his wife, and they lose each other really quickly, and he can't find her because they think it's going to be this fun, like, it's his new, they're newlyweds. And he thinks it's going to be this, like, fun adventure. Like, they get to go to, like, oh, we're going to go to these different levels of the tower because the tower is, like, this mystical place where all these people live, but there's, like, uh, a level that's just going to be baths and a level that's just going to be, uh, that's a that's just one giant play and like stuff like that. And it seems fun when you hear about it, but then you get there and it's just like people are trying to kill you and and kidnap you. So in this book, he, he lost his wife in the first book. He became a pirate, essentially an air pirate and fly, flying these airships. So his, his adventure continues. It was great. It was a wonderful adventure book. Um, all sorts of weird things happen. The fun thing about it is that it's like a straight up adventure book. Um, like it's, uh, like, like, it's like they go to this thing and they have to like fight this evil thing and they, you know, wow. the, the, uh, the, the evilness of the tower continues. It's just like a very fun adventure series. Um, and like, I'm looking yeah, forward like to the next one. I think there should be another one soon. I don't think it's come out yet. Um, what are you reading? I am reading my first 2020 book. Great. Because I'm also reading an arc. Uh, mm-hmm. You were last week, and now I'm reading pr- one of my most anticipated books of the year, one of the buzziest horror books of 2020. It is uh, o- The Only Good I- Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, who wrote um, a werewolf novel that came out a few years ago that I love called Mongrels. And um, oh, yeah. our friends over at Saga sent us an arc of this and it is not disappointing. It is amazing so far. I just started it, but it's about, uh, the main character is a native American and he doesn't live on the reservation anymore. He like lives with his, his wife and he's a postal worker and he's just like out of that world. And, but he keeps getting, starts getting these visions of this elk that he had killed many years ago with his friends on the reservation. And so, and the book opens up with this really creepy scene with all these elks. Mm. And so he starts calling all of his friends like, Hey, do you guys remember that? Cause like something apparently very weird happened with this elk. Mm. It was like almost 10 years, 10 years before the event, like the, the book starts. And 
so he's getting these weird visions. You don't know what, like you're slowly finding out what happened. I still don't know what happened, but it's obviously very creepy and weird. And he's like, it's like the beginning. It's like the oh, kind of like the opening scene of it where like the guy's calling everybody like, hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're we like, time to talk about that weird this? creepy thing yeah, yeah, that yeah, happened yeah. when we were kids. And you like, so you want to you really want to know what happens. And it's great so far. It is spooky and I'm really excited about it. Uh, so that's The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. And mine is Arm of the Sphinx by Josiah Bancroft. And by the way, the last, the third book in the series is also out, which I haven't read. I said it wasn't, but apparently it came out last year. So great. So we're, we're going to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Anna wrote in, I heard the last episode and loved it. And in it, you wonder if the paperback version of I'll Be Gone in the Dark has an addition talking about the murderer being caught. This was our murder books episode yeah, in yeah, December. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were wondering if, cause, because... Uh, I'll be gone in the dark was somewhat, um, it was, it helped in the finding of the Golden State Killer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Anna says, I don't know about that exactly, but the Brazilian edition of the book came out with an editor's note at the end explaining who he was and how he got caught. It was a relief to get that note after reading the book. That so, is yeah. very nice. So uh, that must be the new, like, I don't know if, if, the, if they're doing it in the Brazilian edition, they must be doing it in the U.S. edition. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That is great. Um, Leslie wrote in and said, I love the show and have listened since the beginning. You're You've recently started calling listeners glassers. I had another idea. Call us monocles. A pair of you. <laughs> that's, a, that's adorable. The pair of you are reading glasses and the listeners are a bunch of individuals. I won't be insulted if you want to stick with glassers. This is merely a suggestion. Wow. Mallory, what do you think? Super cute. I think the only problem is that glassers is totally stuck. Glassers has stuck, but I think you could say like, oh, I'm a monocle. That's a funny thing it's to adorable. say. That's really funny. It's adorable. It's super cute. So if we're the reading glasses, does that mean Sean's like the arm of the glasses? Oh, uh-huh. The lens? No. Oh, the, you're the the nose bridge? He thinks he's the nose Sean bridge. Sean is the nose bridge <laughs> between me and Rhea. <laughs> uh, Grace wrote in with a wheelhouse. Uh, is any book with lady or lesbian pirates, sassy, self-aware narrator, narrators, YA novels that don't focus on romance and have a sci-fi spin, mm. lighthearted fan, lightheaded fantasy. I think she meant lighthearted. It says lightheaded fantasy. Hmm. Um, Could be lightheaded. Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Lightheaded. Dr- like a druggy fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cats the Talk, Secret Societies, Giant inter- Intertwining Plots of Said Societies, and Unlikely Female Friendships. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about rereading books, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, gang. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi, everyone. I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You, Max Fun listeners, have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is $109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. 
knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. This week, we're checking off one box on the new 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge, rereading a book. And if you haven't listened to the show for very long, you should know we divide our challenge into two different sections. We have five types of books we challenge you to read and five activities we challenge you to do. And the, one of the, the first one is reread a book you've already read on our activities list. Um, a few facts about rereading. Rereading is actually kind of important. Really? Uh, especially for children. A study found that 41% of children have trouble finding books they like as they get older. Like, they like books from when they're younger, huh. but about half ch- of children complain that they don't have books as they get older. So rereading helps children to be engaged in the process of reading. Um, that's why you've read, like, Give a Mouse a Cookie 400 times. It's because that kid, like, he identified, yeah. like, likes that book still. Also for children, it helps them to um, read better and become more highly proficient readers because they develop familiarity with words. Oh. Um, same if English, if you're reading a book in a different language. Um, and as adults, rereading can help you understand a complicated book and help you develop better critical arguments. So if it's a book you're reading... For school or something, you've read it before, you, just, you might notice something new and develop different yeah. arguments the second time you've read it. Um, so, Bria, you don't do a lot of rereading. That's right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> After all of that, I don't do a lot of rereading. Like, fuck that. Um, I just, I, I always want something new. This is definitely part of my personality trait. Um, you are a person who enjoys novelty. I love novelty. I don't like re- remaking recipes. I don't like rewatching TV shows. I do it for comfort. I know I'm feeling very down if I start watching rewatching a TV show for like the fifth time. Mm. I'm like, oh, I am very sad right now because I have just watched Parks and Recreation season three <laughs> for the millionth <laughs> so time. So many times. Um, if I reread, it's generally for a purpose. So it's like um, for work. I'm reading it for work, or it's a book I haven't read in so long that I can't even remember it. But but for work is mostly why I would be doing it for like a research purpose. But you do reread. What do you? What tell me about it? Yeah, no, I reread books a lot actually. Um, and I but I realize it's normally only like my favorites that have been my favorites for a long time. Like I have like a group of re- books that I reread normally. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while, I'll reread a more modern book. Uh, last year when I was going through a tough time because. Last year was a chaos tornado for both of us. Uh, I reread a book I really love, uh, The Girl Who Slept With God by Val Berlinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got a lot out of it. Um, but I, yeah, I normally mostly only do my favorites. Do you, so you have you ever reread a book? Do you ever read like childhood favorites or classics? Well, sure. I mean, we've all reread books because I feel like you get reassigned them in college. Like you read them in high school, you assign them in college or the next year, you know, like I've read The Great Gatsby several times. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Like, like the, that's definitely ones I've reread. Um, but like a book that, like on your own. I reread comic books. That's the one thing I will oh. go back to. Um, that's funny because I never reread comics. Really? 
That's the one reason I think I buy them is because I know I will I will return to them. That's interesting. I, I don't know if it's because the visual aspect and I notice new things or whatever, but I will I will definitely reread a comic. I like I just reread um Sandman, because we did that podcast about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did uh, Greatest Movies Never Made podcast. If you haven't listened to it, Mallory and I both guessed it on there. And we talked about, yeah, we talked about the Never Made Sandman movie. Mm-hmm. And so I reread for that one because I thought it would be. Oh, yeah, because I, I, did, I, did, cool. I did pull it out and, and go through it again a little bit for that episode. And like, um, I reread Umbrella Academy before I watched the TV show. Um, I reread, I'm going to reread Paper Girls, do a Paper Girls reread before the Amazon show comes out. Mm-hmm. So like, I definitely will do something like that if I'm just trying to like re-up my knowledge on it. And also I just like comic books a lot. So I think I get a lot out of them, but I will reread them and I don't know why versus that versus a book. Maybe it's just less of a commitment. Yeah. It's like I can read a graphic novel in a day, you know? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what about you? So yeah, one of the things that gave me the idea for this part of the challenge was when a listener wrote in with that hot book tip about, uh, trying a classic book that you read in school and didn't like. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. rereading it and see if you like it. I thought it was, that's a really cool idea. And then I started thinking about how I mostly reread childhood favorites and I thought it might be cool to re- reread a book I didn't like or a book like I did like, but I read a long time ago. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah, feel like, like we, we never, we never reread books that are just like, oh, I really like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. What, like, what's an example of a book that you have, that you read in, like, your childhood that you reread? The Historic Materials. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I just started my, re- yeah, I was doing, I read The Subtle Knife. Um, and I read, one of my favorite books is Stardust by Neil Gaiman. I've oh, read yeah. that a bunch mm-hmm. of times. Um, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I've reread all those books a bunch of times. But I don't read, like, it's, it's interesting because I'll read a book, that I really like and I'll like like you know now and I'm like oh that's great and then I won't ever return to it right well maybe you will in like 10 years though but I'm not returning to books that I read 10 years ago now maybe you will in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> so did you pick a book that you're going to reread I mean I have some cheats can I tell you my cheats <laughs> all right here's another one of our our things is to read a book that you or to stop reading a book yes. and it got me thinking about what if I read a book that I stopped reading I don't know if that counts. Bria, you are your own steward. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Far my be other it for me. <laughs> my other thoughts on this one, and I'm going to have to get back to everyone on this, is to do a classic that I don't remember very well. I Scar- think that's a great idea. Scarlet Letter, which I know you love. It's my favorite classic book. Yeah, and I don't remember it well enough. So yeah, I, I think it's like, a great book to reread. Um, I also thought maybe I Am Legend, which I actually read in the last 10 years, but... Oh, yeah, I read that. I'm such an apocalyptic fan. I feel like I would like to read it maybe again. Did I ever tell you about my weird thing about reading I Am Legend? No. Because the version that I have just says, it says like, you know, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. So I started reading it and I didn't know that it was, it's a novella. Right. But I thought the whole book was I Am Legend. Oh, oh, So I finished it and I thought I was just going to the next chapter. Oh, no. So I got like way into another short story and I was like, this doesn't have anything to do like right. i was really confused as to what oh yeah and yeah, then yeah. all of a sudden i was like wait what that was that just first chunk of the book was i am legend so i want to i want to go back and reread it because like, the whole book is called i am legend yeah right it, yeah it's like but it's a collection right, right, of right, right, right. horror stories and i am legend itself is like a novella at the beginning oh, so it kind of freaked me that. out because i was reading it that's why i like to know how far i am away from the book because you can kind of get a sense of like you know, where you are in the story. Mm. So I thought the ending of I Am Legend was like just the beginning of all the shit that was going to happen. uh uh And it really threw me off reading it. Oh. 
Maybe that's your reread. Well, we'll see. My other options are for this. My book club assigns a lot of horror books that I've already read. And a lot of times I'm just like, well, I've already read it. I'll just go talk to them about it. But maybe I'll reread one if it's one that I'm like excited about. That's a good idea too. Um, And also I keep recommending Bell Hooks books on the show. And I realize I haven't read one really in 10 years. So I could go back and read a book that I've recommended on the show. Um, That... Because maybe I should anyway, because I keep talking yeah. about them. Um, well, that's what I'm doing. That, so that's my ideas. What, what, are you, what are you thinking? So I'm going to reread Kelly Link's Get in Trouble. Oh, okay. Because I fucking love that book, but I've only read it once. And I read it like five years ago, I think. And I don't remember a ton from it, other than the fact that I absolutely loved it. But I recommend it to people all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, and the other day I was, when I was like looking through my, my books, thinking of like what I should reread, I'm like, I love this book. I don't remember that much. And I tell people to read it all the time. I should like refresh my memory with it. Like I know it was really weird. And I remember that like reading a writer be so effortlessly strange and genre melding as Kelly Link is like was really inspirational for me. Mm. And I was like, I need to, if I'm going to be telling people to read this all the time, I should be more familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think you're going to get out of your reread? Um, wasted time. <laughs> Mallory. <laughs> Mallory. Wasted time. I'm kidding. Um, I could be reading a new space book. I love a new thing. So it's hard for me to reread. Um, maybe it'll change the way I read a book. There are definitely things. So when we reread Sandman for that podcast, there were so many, because I always am like Sandman, one of my favorite comics, a comic that got me into comics, real gateway comic. Like I recommend it to people and then I reread it and was like, wow, so many things I remember about this book. Like, mm-hmm. so I think like I do have kind of a shitty memory too. So like, it, I think if I reread something, I'll be like, huh, wow, this is this book that I really yeah. at some point in my life liked. So I think that will be interesting. I think I think what I'm looking for is something to feel sort of new. That's yeah. why I keep being like, maybe it's a book I don't remember, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, what What do you think you'll get out of it? So for me, I think the value of rereading always comes from revisiting something that meant something to me and seeing where I am now and what resonates with me now. Uh, like I always talk about, you know, part of the reason why I reread historic materials every year is that depending on where I am in life, I get something totally different out of it. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I really resonated with the main characters because they're kids. And now I'm like looking at all the adult characters and seeing their motivations and what they're going through and just looking at them. When you're a kid, a lot of times the adult characters are like just confusing and right weird. And right. now I'm like, oh, yes, I understand. Yeah. Oh. Now I watch like 80s movies sometimes and the parents come in and I'm like, you're bad parents. Whereas yeah. used to, I never would even thought about parents. No, yeah, it just, and that's why I like revisiting things that mean a lot to me. Just to, like, especially you know, if you are, if you get married, if you get divorced, if you've gone through a loss, like something in your life has changed to change your perspective. Mm-hmm. And when, sometimes you'll, I'll reread a book and it just like something totally different hits me, and I love that experience, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if it's a book I already love. Like right now I'm working on a new book so and I'm hoping that the weirdness of Kelly Link, it was really inspirational to me before, kind of like I'm, I'm hoping it will like inspire me again and shake something loose. Sometimes when I read weird fiction and see authors just do weird stuff, it just like reminds me I'm like, I can do anything. Right. Like you get really in a rut with your when you're writing sometimes and you're like, oh, I'm trying to make everything make sense. And I'm like, but do I? Like, do right. I, like, I, I can, I am in control of this. And so I like reading weird stuff and I'm that's what I'm hoping will happen to me when I read reread get in trouble yeah I mean it's a weird thing when you create art for life you're I think I'm constantly looking to art for 
inspiration and sometimes for permission. Yes. Like, you know, where oh, I'm, for like, sure. I'm like, oh, well, this person did this crazy thing and that's something I would like to do. So I guess I can do this as well. You yeah. Know, like that, like you're looking for that little bit of like, like someone else is on your team. Yes. You know, we were, we, God, where, were we, where were we? the? Oh, we, um, me and my boyfriend were talking the other day about Stephen King's on writing. How is one of his big rules is if you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. Mm. And I think it's so important for people like, oh, well, they're like, oh, well, I want to be a writer now. Time to put up, you know, just only write and not read. I'm like, no, you have to absorb as much as you can. I totally agree. And I think that sometimes looking at old things that, you know, maybe you don't remember or whatever can just spark something totally new. That's what really good art is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can revisit it. Yeah. So you can send your thoughts on rereading to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author and friend of the show, Mike Chen, we're going to take a quick break. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. So here we are with author Mike Chen. Mike, thank you so much for joining us again. We're so happy to have you back. Thank you for having me as a repeat guest. I am so honored. Uh, What are you reading right now, Mike? So I am a super slow reader because of deadlines and day job and parenting. So I I should have read this months ago, but I'm just finishing 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Harrow. Nice. Um, It's so good. I I, I told Alex that like, you know, her prose just makes me jealous. And uh, months ago, she, she told me that her book is like the fantasy inverse of my debut here and now and then. And I could totally see that, but hers is written much better than mine. (laughs) We like both. We like both of those books. Okay. (laughs) So jealous of her. Uh, The other thing I have is um, arc of a book called rule by Rowena Miller, which is book three of the unraveled kingdom. And I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that series, but I, I normally am not into fantasy too much, but her fantasy trilogy is, has magic powered by art and it's very political. So the pr- protagonist is a seamstress and it's the, the overarching storyline is based on the French revolution. So um, I, I loved the first two books. And when, when she offered me an arc of this, I, I just totally skipped everything in my massive tbr pile but i i highly recommend the, the first book is called torn and the second book is called um fray uh see i am sleep deprived right now i had to think about that um and the third book is coming out this summer by rowena miller i highly highly recommend it those that sound sounds, awesome i know it sounds like something i should pick up yeah. yeah so speaking of books mike can you tell us about your brand new book that's coming out this week yeah, yeah, it's it's been a long time. I've been working on this since 2011. It's called A Beginning at the End. Um, it is, as I like to say, ho- post-apocalyptic with hope. 
Um, six years after a global pandemic, you see society is finally rebooting with the t- two billion or so survivors, and most of the population is huddled into these the major metropolitan areas that are still standing with outlying communities in between. And so the book takes place in rebuilding San Francisco, um, and the four protagonists are a former pop star, a wedding planner, a widower, and his young daughter. And they are their lives begin to intertwine among rumors of a new outbreak in this fragile society where old secrets and new lies begin to unravel everyone's lives. Um, the comp we sold it on was Emily Mandel's Station Eleven meets Nick Hornby's About a Boy. I, 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 that's the easiest way I can explain it to people. Um, I'm reading it right now, and I'll say that is that's a really that's a that's a really good distillation of it for sure. That sounds awesome. Good good pitch, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> I shamelessly rip off everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I think it's a really unique book because it's, it's it's so. Uh, it's it's its own genre because it's it's sci-fi ish, but not really. You know, it's mostly which is what you do really well. Like it's uh, about you know family and relationships in this sort of sci-fi universe. It's great. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and Bria, thanks for um, thanks for blasting it on Twitter. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, so um, this episode is all about rereading books. Um, do you ever reread books? I love rereading books. I just wish I had the time for it. So before um, before my daughter was born, I reread my favorites all the time. Um, and as a kid, I would reread a lot. And um, like I would just spend hours, like over the summer especially, just like laying on the floor rereading some of my favorite books. Uh, like I still... I, I want to revisit these because I reread them so many times when I was a kid. Um, there was A Royal Pain by Ellen Conford, which is like the first time I really discovered voice in a book. It was so snappy and funny. Um, and uh, it's a middle grade book that's still around. I, um, I don't know if it's still popular, though. I mean, it's pretty dated from the 1980s. Um, there was The Seance by Joan Laurie Nixon, which is the first time I, I really read like young adult horror. And I just totally dug it and I reread it so many times. Um, another one that I reread as a kid was Haunting at Cliff House uh, by Carlene Bradford. So Ooh. It, it was uh, um, it was really cool because Carlene Bradford, I um, I had messaged her when I was first querying agents because she had a guide on her website. So after I signed on with my agent, um, I messaged her a thank you. And we kind of stayed in touch a little bit from there. And I sent her a copy of my debut. Um, and then she sent a message that she read it in a day. Uh, and it wow. was all this like nice little lovely um, like author interaction that makes you know 11 year old me totally freak out. So I, 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 I want to reread the stuff that I reread a lot as a kid, just because, uh, um, you know, it, it's like comfort food, you know? Uh, and, and people recommended that I try audiobooks for rereading because that way, like for me, I mentally kind of zone out with audiobooks. Um, but I think if you're rereading it, you know, you just kind of lock into the parts and you don't have to worry about missing things. So I'm going to try that because I, I just wish I had more time. Oh, interesting. That Yeah, that's a really cool idea. So Mike, what do you think you get out of it when you reread a book? Um, I think like with the the books that I mentioned from my childhood, I think a lot of it's going to be just like revisiting old friends. You know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a big comfort food aspect to it. So I imagine it's the same move, the same reason why you would rewatch a movie or for me, like replaying a video game. I, I think with the more, um, with newer stuff that I want to reread, um, 
I think it's to, I want to pick up the clues. Like if there's a big twist in the middle, um, then I want to like go back and revisit like what was the groundwork that was laid before. Um, but a lot of it is just like, I, I love a story. I miss the characters and I want to spend more time with them. I mean, awesome. Hell yeah. So is there now, I know you don't have a lot of time. You're an author, you have a day job, you have a child, you have a wife, you have a life. Uh, (laughs) but if you had the time, uh, right now, is there a book that you would want to reread? There is a book that's been on the top of my reread list for about a year, and I keep saying that I'm going to go back to it, so I should just probably buy the audiobook. Um, that's Cat Howard's An Unkindness of Magicians, mm-hmm. um, which if you're not familiar with it for, for listeners of the, the podcast, I pitch it to everyone because it's one of my favorite books. Like, as soon as I finished it, I'm like, this is fucking amazing and I started talking about it to everyone. It's if you had like grown-up Harry Potter houses in modern-day New York City, and the magicians duel to the death. It is so awesome. And in, in the middle of it, it's driven, the narrative is driven by like this Kill Bill style revenge story. And it's just so good. So yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to reread it forever. And I think at this point, I'm just gonna buy the audiobook and re-listen to it. Um, as soon as I finish 10,000 Doors of January, I want to reread it again, because I, I when I got to the, the big twist in the middle, I'm like, oh, fuck. And, <laughs> and reread it again, because it's so good. Uh, so those are probably like at the top of my list, along with the stuff, like the, the middle grade and Y stuff that I read as a kid that I keep meaning to revisit. Um, this morning, I saw you were writing about Hope Punk, and I we haven't talked about that much on the show, and I was wondering if you wanted to define it and sort of tell readers what it is, because you're book kind of falls into that category. So the idea of Hope Punk, um, it came from a fantasy author named Alexander Rowland. And they they defined, I think it was on a Tumblr post that, um, that they had. Um, and it was basically Hope Punk is the opposite of Grimdark. And uh, they, they posted it, I think, about two or three years ago. And it was kind of like in response to like the despair that everyone is was feeling post 2016 and how so much of entertainment at the time was kind of riding like this grim dark feel and I think a lot of people are just kind of like dude the world is on fire like literally on fire right now in Australia and we're like okay we're we're kind of done with that so the idea is hope punk is the idea that um things can be better that being kind is worth fighting for that um, you know, holding on to the idea that our world can be better is something worth fighting for. Um, it, it's not blindly optimistic. It's not. It's not um, you know a, a Hallmark fairy tale type of thing. It is that like we are going to fight for this shit because we believe that our world can be better. Um, for me, as a sci-fi nerd, um, I think like one of my favorite stories that defines this is uh, the Star Wars spinoff Rogue One which is about uh, you know a team of basically misfits coming together to deliver the death star plans to the rebellion and at the even like in the face of you know they're not main characters so when you go into it you knew they were all probably going to die anyways spoiler alert <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh but like that idea that like everyone can fight for something even when it feels overwhelming i love it it's great pretty cool mm-hmm. so mike what is your reader wheelhouse? 
Um, so I, 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 it's funny with the whole hope punk thing, because I discovered the term probably like three or four months ago. And then I tweeted out like, oh, I just heard this term. And I think that's me. And then everyone, <laughs> yes, that is what you write. But it's also what I, I love to read. I love um, uh, a lot of this, uh, this, the hope punk stuff is more character focused because it's just, uh, um, you know, you need character to have heart to, to really have that sort of idealism. So character driven sci-fi and fantasy. I mostly lean towards sci-fi, not as much fantasy, um, but I do like lighter fantasy. Um, like you we talk about the 10,000 Doors of January. Um, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere is one of my favorite books. Um, the Fonda Lee's Greenbone series, which is Jade City and the sequel Jade War. Um, their magical elements are a little bit lighter, but they're really like character infused, like Kung Fu Wushu um, meets the Godfather, basically. <laughs> um, it's just fucking awesome. So I like it when I'm, I'm not a big fan of epic fantasy, but I like it when you have a lot of character stories in there. I also love gothic horror because I grew up as a very angsty teen. And so Mallory was, has been talking about Shirley Jackson forever. And so I loved The Haunting of Hill House, um, the Netflix series. So a few months ago, I finally picked it up and read it. And I read it in like the middle of the night. Oh, Mike, no. So I read it over two nights. I started like each night around 11 p.m. and finished around 1 a.m. And because like, it was fucking amazing, but it was also terrifying. So I'm standing in like my bathroom about to shower and brush my teeth and like my my closet door is like slightly ajar and totally black and I'm like I'm fucking scared right now and then <laughs> I lit off a firework in my neighborhood and I just jumped and I'm like oh fuck and like I knew that was a firework <laughs> but I was terrified so yeah that was a uh, that was me listening to Mallory and it was just amazing so I love gothic horror so Mike where can we find you online where can we find your new book um, you can find a beginning at the end pretty much everywhere. It's got it's got wide distribution. So your favorite indie bookstore, um, please support your indie bookstores. Amazon, it's on ebook. Uh, the audiobook is being read by Emily Wu Zeller, who uh, um, read the Marie Kondo stuff that I oh, totally cool. ate. So I'm like totally fanboying over that. Like, hey, you helped me fold my shirts. Um, <laughs> audiobook um and i believe it should be released internationally too um my website is mike chen books and if you're looking for me on social media there's a few there are a few different mike chens of prominence there's the youtube chef mike chen there's the tech entrepreneur mike chen there's the minor league hockey player mike chen and people often get us all confused like i've gotten we might have called one of them today accidentally yeah. on skype <laughs> I've gotten fan mail for the chef and then I have to explain, like, I, I'm not the cook. I, I write books. Um, but so my Twitter and Instagram is Mike Chen writer. So the very specific that writer is in there, not chef, not entrepreneur, just the writer guy. Got it. Got it. Mike, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you so much for having me and reading and just being awesome in general. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Uh, actually, today's a twofer. Twofer? We each, we got one, d during separate times, we got one for me and then one for Bria, and I figured we'll just combine them and we'll each 
you'll answer one and I'll answer the other. So the first one, it's a question for Bria from a listener named Tom. Tom says, I have a question that's aimed at Bria. I'm reading mostly on my Kindle right now, and I was wondering what information you have active in the lower left corner. Do you want to know what page you are on or how much time is left in the chapter or book? I usually have the time remaining in chapter option on, but often often the times shown seem unrealistic with 10 pages left and me supposedly having to be able to read them in a minute. Yeah. Okay. So if you yeah, don't read on the Kindle, yeah, ex- explain me this explain. to me. I in was the lower very left confused corner, by corner this. you can have all sorts of information. You can have um, either how much time that you have left in the book, uh, what page you're on, how many t- how much time you have left in the chapter, um, something called like place, which is like some number of where you are in the book that has something to do with something, or you can have like nothing essentially. Um, hmm. uh, location. That's what it is. Location. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. Or or yeah. Or nothing. Um, so when I first open a book, I always do time remaining in the book to see what it really is. Because it always starts, it's like, you have like eight hours. And then I open it and I'm like, oh, and it skips the front matter. Okay, this is confusing. So you, it'll be like, let's say it's an eight-hour book. You, it'll say that like, when you open the book in the upper like right-hand corner, Kindle's like, hey, most people take eight hours to read this book. Mm-hmm. That's like, it tells you. And then you open it and you look in the lower left-hand corner and it was, if you have it for time remaining the book, it'll be like, oh, this book is only going to take you four hours because it skips all the front matter and Kindle counts that towards your reading time, which is confusing. Oh. So I always read through the first chapter and then it'll kind of have a more even number and it'll be closer to that eight hours uh, okay. or whatever, the original eight hours. Um, most books end up between three to seven hours-ish. Um and if you set it for time to book the book at the beginning, it's just going to adjust as you go, which is cool. Um, I often fall asleep reading, so I have this same problem that Tom has um, where I am falling asleep on a page and I leave that page open for a really long time and that counts like against my time. Oh, that would stress me out. Yeah, and so I always have time left in chapter because I'm like, oh, well, I can finish this chapter before I go to sleep or whatever. So, But it ends up saying like I take more time to read than I actually do. If that makes sense, it'll be like, you have 10 minutes left in this chapter, but really I have like five because I always fall asleep reading and I leave the Kindle open for way too long. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, Bria just, it took her 45 minutes to read this one page. <laughs> She's never going to get through. <laughs> it's going to take her three years to finish this book. Anyway, I looked this up because this is sort of an issue for me as well, where sometimes I'm like, why does it think it's going to take me so much longer to read this? Or, or it's going to be so much quicker because sometimes like if you go through that front matter really fast, or if you're, if you like, if it has like a bunch of pictures or something, you're just yeah. going to click through those, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, and I, the, you can, you can reset the time it takes for you to read something. If you have to leave it open, if it's going too fast, um, by going to the search bar and searching semicolon reading time reset, I can put a link to all of this. Um, and it'll go back to this thing that says learning your reading speed, which it does at the beginning. And it kind of learns how quickly oh. you read a book. Um, cause you haven't seen that in a while if you. Yeah, if you if you uh, read all the time on your Kindle. It is such a weird personal thing, but I definitely like the read. I start with read in book. This is his question. Like how much time is related, how much time is left in a book? And then I moved on. I move on to how much time is left in a chapter, like two or three chapters in. So that way I can get a sense of like, I don't really care how much it's going to take me, how much time it's going to take me to finish the book at that point. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, am I going to fall asleep before I finish this chapter? <laughs> like, oh, there's 30 minutes in this chapter. Uh, maybe I should read something else because there's no way I'm staying awake for that chapter. <laughs> um, so then we have another question. Yes. From Jennifer, from Mallory. I have a question about bookish tattoos. I know this is definitely 100% a Mallory question for Mallory, but Bria, I don't know if you actually have any bookish tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. 
As a fellow tattooed book nerd, I'd love to know how you translate what you want from a book you love into an idea for a tattoo. Obviously, I can't expect an artist to read a whole book to get a good idea, good idea of whatever I want referenced or recreated. Do you bring something to them, tell them, or show them? Especially if it's something from a book that's not commercially popular. It's important to me that it comes out just right, and I'm always worried that I'm asking too many cha- asking for too many changes or not liking the entire concept an artist comes up with. We'd love to hear your insights. Uh, so first off, don't worry about asking for changes from an artist. You're paying them. That is their job. Also, it's going to be on your body. Yeah. Forever. Forever. I know it's hard because someone like drew this thing and you're like, oh, you don't, you, you feel kind of bad, but it's their job. Like they're fine with that. They want to do a good job. They're not going to be insulted. Um, and the question, this question is why it's so important to choose the right artist. People ask me about my tattoos a lot. And that is my number one uh, tip is really, really be comprehensive in your search for an artist. I do a lot of research before I find a new artist to work with. Uh, someone whose style I really love. Um, like I'll look for a shop where like in the city that I'm in. Um, and then I'll do a lot of Instagram searches. Like I found uh, there was one tattoo I have that has two hands in it. So I tried to the artist that i found i made sure that i liked his hands before his handwork his handwork handy work <laughs> hey um that way you know i know like i'll know that whatever i'm looking for they can do and the style that i'm gonna like and like that way you know when i bring my idea to them i know they're gonna be able to translate it into something cool uh out of my 25 tattoos 10 are book tattoos uh, and I love them. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking of some visual representation of something that means a lot to me from the book. And then I break it down into a tattoo. Like I just like something that stands out to you. Uh, my the last one that I got um, for We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, who is the my one of my favorite authors. Uh, I told the artist who is Aaron Garcia at Dark Horse that I wanted a black cat and blackberries. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like I trusted him. And he came up with the design. I loved it. I had like a minor tweak and he fixed it and it was fantastic. Like you just like that. That's the key is that if you do all the research to find the right artist, they're going to dazzle you with something awesome. And don't be afraid to like tell them, hey, this is from a book. It's from the scene that means a lot to me. Like give them whatever you need. Don't expect them to like read the book or anything. But, you know, just it, it's like with anything, like with your hair or um. I don't know what other people get for things like just finding someone, some kind of artisan to do something for you. If you find someone that you trust and whose work you like, you're going to be all set, even if they've never even heard of the book. Do you ever bring them like a passage from the book? No, no. Just you just because they're not going to read. They're just okay. They're just not going to read that. Fair, fair. fair. (laughs) But every single time I've ever gotten gotten a book tattoo, I've gone to the artist after doing the research told them hey i want it it's from this book just on the off chance that they have read it they never no one ever has Mm -hmm. um like hey this is the scene i really like it and i want this yeah and they've all come out really really great Mm -hmm. um so if you want to solve your reader problem you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com as always we want to thank danielle and kathy who run our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page remember if you want to support us and help us feed our pets uh you can buy reading glasses tote bags and t-shirts and bookmarks and now stickers which are super cool uh and a reading glasses logo shirt which is adorable uh in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show and want to support us for free you can rate us and review us on itunes it's very easy for you to do it really helps us out we are cruising towards a thousand right now we're at i think we're at almost 850 wow. we're getting there uh really we're gonna do something really exciting when it hits a thousand so 
please, something exciting. Get ready for something exciting. (laughs) We haven't planned it out yet, but it's going to be great. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.